Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. Creative people and how they do it, how they hang in there. That's what I love to talk about. Today, my first guest of the new year is a visual artist and musician named Paul Yabara. I discovered him on Instagram. His Instagram handle is Phantom of Hollywood. And he's doing these really cool tarot card illustrations with pop culture figures like Liza Minnelli, Sonny Bono. He just posted a new one with Miss Coco Peru. Um, I just found them really um, fun and they really captured my imagination. So I tracked him down and uh, we're doing this podcast. And it turns out he's also a wonderful singer with some great music on Spotify. But before we get to the interview, uh, I want to get a plug-in for the Mismatch Game. That's the live show that I host. It's a game show parody. We've been doing it for 15 years. Uh, it's coming back in February on Friday the 7th and Saturday the 8th. Um, so if you're in L.A. and you want some laughs and to help a good cause, all the money that we raise goes to the L.A. Gay and Lesbian Center's um, Homeless Youth Program. So that's uh, that's a great night out and a great cause. So Keep an eye out for that, and without any further ado, here is Paul Ybarra. Hey there, I'm coming to you from Hollywood, the heart of Hollywood, the uh, home of my guest, Paul Ybarra. Um, you were telling me when we were walking in that this building has an incredible history. It's a very cool old apartment building. Yeah. It, uh, by the, by, like, Hollywood and Highland area. Yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, commissioned by Cecil B. DeMille for his, his daughter, Catherine DeMille, in 1929, and actually it's the same architect that did the church next door to with the one that is huge right on Highland and Franklin. Right, the one with the big AIDS ribbon on yeah. it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the same architect did that. And mm-hmm. then there's history to this place. Like Francis Ford Coppola lived here. Uh, Errol Flynn did. Uh, Carl Held, who's still around, who was on Star Trek. Uh, right. It's it's a really kind of a movie person's type type building and well then the elevators a little like small and it's a like, casket it's a little caskety <laughs> and then there's vines on the outside of do you ever feel like it's haunted or anything it is haunted I and I love that part about it too you you feel it like in the halls and it has like a little bit of the shining quality to it a very Stephen King yeah je ne sais quoi that is uh, right. comforting and also kind of gothic and spooky but it's Hollywood right. so it feels. It's the old star, so it's the, you feel glamorously spooked. Well, you love pop culture and, and performers and stuff like that, so you must like that aspect of it. Very much so. I'm, I'm, holding, I'm, I'm hoping that only celebrity spirits haunt. I want to be haunted by celebrities. Yeah, so it's you like, don't want just any random ghosts. I don't you want, want any B players. I want like some you know, former A <laughs> Name above the titles only. Uh, first on the call sheet. Now, I came across your artwork on Instagram um, and that's why I hit you up because I thought it was so striking, but you're also a mu- musician. So I want to talk about all that stuff, but you do illustrations that are tarot cards, but with pop culture figures. Yes. Uh, one of them that caught my eye was Sonny Bono. And then there's a picture of him and they're sort of collage like, but I remember there's a record and I remember the, the 45 record cause I used to have, and I still do have a bunch of 45s and I'm like, I can describe, like, I know what. Philadelphia Freedom looks like. I know what the Partridge Family label was. I know what Elton John's label was. Like, I and I when I saw that image, I was like, I think I might have that forty-five. Like, I know those labels. So, talk to me about the idea of how you thought I'm going to create tarot cards, but I'm going to use my favorite figures from pop culture. Okay, I I love anything metaphysical and, and right and spooky. I just maybe watching too much Scooby Doo as a kid. The, right, I just it's always been there. Right. Uh, I did art. I do art, and I was doing some big pieces, and I, I did just a, a card of a friend, 
uh, kind of as a as a homage, but also as an inside joke, just because she was so beautiful. I thought, oh, she'll be the empress. It'll be perfect. And then uh, I started getting a lot of feedback on Instagram saying, oh, my God, when does this deck come out? When does right. This deck? So I did another one. I got more feedback. So I just thought, you know, I'm going to make a deck for at least the major arcana, the first 21 archetypes of the cards of people to me that would represent the Empress, the Magician, uh, Liberace is the Fool, something that just is less witchy and more pop culture Right. So you take the Tarot characters mm-hmm. and you find somebody equivalent in, in celebrity pop culture world that you have an affinity for yes. and you create them as that. Yes. See, I don't know much about Tarot to begin with. Um, so there's 20, you said 21. There's 21 uh, cards from the Major Arcana, which are like the first 21 archetypes that have like the star, right? Uh, the world, the devil. They're just the, the major, the major, most They're important cards. They're the big cards. ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the most important cards. If I were to go to a store and buy a deck of Tarot cards, how many would there probably more likely be? In the in the deck itself, yeah. There's 72 cards total with the major and the marge, minor arcana. Right. Uh, so you're starting with the majors, the yes. 21. Yeah. At least if I get those done, then I can I can work on the small stuff. And I did right. it, you know. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Do you know much about the tarot cards or how to use them or how to? I have a a, a knack for it. Yes, yeah. I, I do. There's so many great tarot readers in 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 LA and, and everywhere. But I grew up in in Southern Oregon, which was really close to Mount Shasta, that had this right. huge new age community in the 80s so with that influx as a kid between like the ages of 12 and like 16 right by osmosis just being around it uh at that time i, I really picked up a lot on it i got to meet timothy leary when i was 12 with my brother oh just my gosh some really unique stuff being in that kind of vortex of, of northern california mount shasta and southern oregon so yeah it, just by osmosis i think you pick it up as a kid and you come back as a grown-up and you're like holy crap i i do know how to work this. i do know a lot of it when people do it, I really don't know much about it. Are they sort of telling what's going to happen to you? Do they tell you what kind of person you are? When people get a tarot reading, what kind of information are they getting? It depends on the question that they're asking, but typically they're asking for, for what, I, what I've done readings for people, it's just to see how things are going at this point. Sometimes it's about a relationship. Other times it's like, tell me, you know, if I'm going in the right direction for the right career or right. Uh, with the right, it's always about relationships. It's always about you know, is he right for me? Yeah, is this so, guy the one? Yeah, and they're always the one until the other one comes along, and then it's you know, that's a new reading. Yeah, but uh, when did you do your first one? The friend that you were talking about, my probably around fourteen years old. I, I got my first deck at a Barnes and Noble. Wow, God bless it. <laughs> yeah, you did. So, so you owned them from pretty young oh, age. Yeah, I, I probably got like twelve decks right now. I probably had about twenty. 22 decks, but over the years, you know, giving them away or, you know, let someone borrow them. Like, when you know, someone borrows Like it's re- a book or yes, something, yeah. and then they never come back. So it's like, damn it. Yeah. So I'm learning just to, to hang You're on You're going to be a little more, um, maybe there's an app for holding on to your tarot cards. Um, when did you do your first illustration tarot? Things you've been posting on Instagram. Officially, probably, uh, shoot, probably August, like late so summer. So relatively recent. Yeah, and it just... It was so easy. I mean, they were they're sixteen by twenty. Yeah, because on Instagram you can't tell how big they are. So you're you've gotten them out, for, and they're they're like a pretty good size, they're, sixteen by twenty. They're big, and and uh, they're all they're all done by hand. There's no computer. I used to do a lot of computer uh, artwork. Yeah, and my brother kept saying, "Dude, go back to doing the organic stuff. You know, don't lose your edge on how to to draw." So I just yeah. started using uh, pens, pencil, watercolor, and having fun with it, and. It was actually kind of easy for me. It was just fun. I'm not, they weren't great, 
but it was easy enough to keep producing them and, and making them interesting. And people could identify, oh my God, that's Liberace. Oh my God, that's, you know, right. Joyce DeWitt. Yes, this is... You did a tarot card of Joyce DeWitt. It's in the works. It's in it's the... in the works. It's <laughs> happening. I really feel like she's sort of an unsung, you know, she was sort of like the unsung star of that show. Like, she was sort of, she wasn't the blonde... Looking back at it now, like I think everybody wanted to be Chrissy, but yeah. as we get older, we're like, man, I'd rather be, you know, Joyce Dewitt. I want to be Janet, you know? Yeah. She's cool. She's got the Joan Jett haircut. She does. She's like the, it's like the, she's not the flashy one, but she's solid. She's the one that's she's solid. The long haul. She's the, the she's relationship. The, she's the tortoise and the, and yeah, and Suzanne Summers was the hair or something like that. But so, say you're doing a Joyce Dewitt that's a work in progress. You have an image of her, and then you find other things that remind I, you of her or, Things like that. They do. Like, if we're doing a card for, like, um, I don't want to script the Joyce one just yet, but, like, I did the last one of, of Josephine Baker. Right. And she was the world card on, on the tarot deck. Right. And I started thinking about the things that represented that card as far as, like, completion and, and sacred agreements. And to me, nobody embodied that more than someone like Josephine Baker, who did all of these things coming from, like, a St. Louis washerwoman's daughter to being, like, the toast of Paris and the first right. African-American international superstar. You know, just you start connecting the, these people's lives with what these cards represent. And, and uh, I guess we all can kind of identify with these cards in that sense. I mean, we can make them anybody. But to me, it's like... They I, tell a story in a yeah. way. Each card. Uh, so let's talk through some of the ones you've done so far. Sonny Bono, Liberace, Josephine Baker. Um, there's one of Maude Magart, who's a fabulous cabaret singer. Who right. Was my first one. Um, there's one of... Shoot, i got to look at these. Okay, I know. Do that? No, yeah, bust okay. them out. Okay. That's why I, uh, I asked you, Joe. There's one of Lorena Lasitza, who is a fabulous Broadway actress and singer uh, who's from Canada. And I always had to include that, you know, Lorena's such a great singer that right. being from Canada, you know, people think of Anne Murray. And I'm thinking, ah, forget about Anne Murray. Yeah. It's Lorinda. That's the real, you know, yeah. pride of Canada. She's exactly. the Empress card. There's uh, Mr. Rogers was one that. Oh, yeah. That was, and it's so of the moment. I love that. Oh. They're so fun. Now, what are the medium? What is the medium that you use? Uh, there's going to be pencil, uh, two types of inks, and then watercolor. Right. That's basically it. Right. So with Mr. Rogers, you've got him. You've got him in the castle. There's the King Friday. Did you see the movie about him with Tom Hanks? I did. I have a friend, Carmen Cusack, who played the director in the film. Oh, and, nice. Uh, it's a great film. I loved it. I, I did thought too. it was wonderful. We need more things like that. I mean, he definitely. Uh, it's inspiring, you know? I, I, yeah. We need more Mr. Rogers in the world. I agree. I think my favorite one is probably the Ronette's one for the Tower card. Oh, I love uh, it. Have you seen this one yet? Or, I think, is it on Instagram? It is. I've seen all the ones on Instagram. But I love how you draw the actual records, or you illustrate the actual records, and um, the, then there's like a gun, and Aquanet. Why the gun with the Ronette's? Well, the, the Tower card represents change. It's my favorite card out of all yeah. of the major arcana that, that, and some people were like, oh my God, it means change and shaking the world up. Yeah. And when I think about change, what came to me first was the Ronettes because uh, Ronnie Spector was Mrs. Phil Spector for a long time. Right. She did everything to get out of the Pyrenees Castle, which is in Alhambra. Right. Which is for sale right now. Is that where the thing, the murder went Allegedly. down? Allegedly. I kind right. of think that Lana, I mean, I know that Lana yeah. didn't ask for it, but uh, maybe because I'm just such a music fan, I'm thinking maybe Phil did make a mistake. He did yeah. make a big mistake. Yeah. And the, the Pyrenees Castle is for sale right now, too. I'm always trying to get friends to go, let's just get in on this. And Yeah. But it's probably very haunted. But So, uh the tower card represents change, and I just thought about these three women coming related, these two sisters, one cousin coming out from from New York and coming to L.A. to make this music and the fallout of Phil Spector, the craziness of what that was and overcoming that. Uh, 
instead of the tower, we have the Pyrenees Castle with the, the lightning and the thunder going across there. They're busting through an actual wall of sound on the card. Right. Um, and beneath them are their hits, the Be My Baby, Walk Into the Rain, Baby, I Love You. So it just sort of encompasses, I mean, the overcoming challenges with the tower card and what these girls overcame as, as female singers in the 60s. Bill Spector in the corner is the devil with his tie being with the upside-down satanic cross. You know, you can't go wrong with an, a tie that's an upside-down satanic cross it on fire. sort of, it's... <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. <laughs> the gun because of, of Phil Spector and the Lana the Carson crime. tragedy. Yeah. Uh, the Aquanet can because the Runnets were so well-known for their beehive hairdos. Right. The mascara and eyeliner and the six most popular combs for eyeliner mascara to the right is their weapons of choice. Nice. So just it's that kind of pop pop culture stuff that makes it sort of fun and goofy. Right. And you get to sort of just not just sort of celebrate these things, but kind of tell a story about them and 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 kind of highlight things about them. And and just whether people are going, well, I can't see that or they're like, okay, you're crazy, but it's entertaining crazy. So it'll be the tower card like it. Yeah. And I just think anytime that I always think whenever you say someone's name, I mean, I don't think people say Ronnie Spector enough anymore. These, these right. kids don't know what's going on. They don't know. They don't know who Estelle or her, her, her cousin um, yeah. Nedra was. And I'm thinking to, to say these names, to see these people over there, you just impress the universe with more good energy, more Ronettes for the future. We That's them. right. Keep, keep so, them going. And I love that it looks homemade and like... I do too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that it doesn't look slick and computery. It looks... No. It looks... Um, My goal is to always be like Jan Brady, like the Jennifer Elise Cox Jan Brady. I yeah. want to look like Jan Brady made this because in my heart, she's my spirit animal, and that is where I'm going for it. Right. I think I read that on one of your posts. Why do you relate to Jan Brady? Because she was such an outcast, but she was so lovable, and she was authentically always herself. So I, right. I, I, I dig that maybe as a gay kid struggling with the feelings I was having, and even as a gay adult struggling with the feelings I'm having all the time. Right. Uh, there's something cool about seeing someone else that's as nerdy as you and thinking, look, we all have our George Glass. We all right. have our... She's not cool. Jan Brady's not cool. And her not being cool makes it that much cooler. That's, you know... Yeah, that's... that's the... Yeah, no, I see it. I got you. Did you watch the Brady Home Renovation show? On, uh, it was recently on TV. No, I had... Was it good? I, no, I hear it's good. I watched the first episode part of it. I mean, it's really cool how they recreated that house, but it was a big ratings hit, and I, and I think... My feeling is I'm not surprised by that because everyone has the Bradys in their mind and in their history, but also just this feeling of like something wonderful can happen when you're like 60 or 70. You know, like these guys are yes. older. They're getting a chance again. And they're getting a chance to be part of something. Yes. And I think that, I think it's easy to think that at a certain point, you know, all the fun stuff's behind you. Right. And no, the Brady's got to be part of this fun show and do it all again, you know? So I don't know. There's something to that about it that moves me. You've got your Liza Minnelli card. What is she? She was the star. She is the, it's the star tarot card. Right. And this was the second card I did. And that's when it started to pick up where I'm like, you know what? Let me make a whole tarot deck. I'm going to make a tarot deck. And uh, instead of having the woman with the blonde hair with the jugs of water pouring out, I have Liza in her cabaret costume. Right. Pouring the jugs. And behind her is the Studio 54 logo. Right. Um, just things that represent things of being what that card represents. And to me, nobody embodies more of the star quality than right. Liza Minnelli, you know? Now, are there tarot cards that would be suitable for someone you're not crazy about? Or somebody that... Are there villains? Do you know what I'm saying? That's a really good question. You know, I, the the devil card and the death card. I, the devil card I did is with Divine from Female Trouble, which is my favorite John Waters film. Because... Right. 
Don Davenport is so evil, but we want right. to be that kind of evil. Right, too. but you still love. Oh it's my god, not somebody you dislike. No, Edith Massey in a birdcage yeah. with yeah. a hook. Come on, I yeah. mean that's yeah, that's a next lifetime. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. But yeah, there there were some. I did Leona Helmsley as the uh, the chariot card. Yeah, and I I kind of my I empathize with Leona Helmsley not not the right word i sympathize with her I, I think she kind of got a bad rap right uh even though she was the queen of mean and and raised all that hell she really i think because she was a woman she got made an example of yeah and spent her entire you know four and a half years behind bars where if i think it was a guy like it would have been she would have gotten away with yeah, that and i mean it was her and her husband she took the fall for harry yeah uh talk about loyalty that's your ride or die chick right there Leona wow her. i know um how long does it take you to do one of these about probably Two and a half days to do the outline and probably yeah. a full day to do the coloring. And at first, yeah. when I started doing the watercolor, I thought, oh, slap some color, it'll be easy. Yeah. It takes some time. Like, yeah. And then you look at it going, okay, I got to re- I gotta do it right. It's, it's good to take your time. I'm such a, uh, I'm Sagittarian. Right. So I, I'm always moving really fast and, and I'm not very patient. But this has really taught me to have some patience. It's worth, you know, re-editing, rechecking stuff to make sure that it looks... Making it exactly what you want. Yeah. And when you started posting it on Instagram, what were people's reactions to it? Laughter. Just everyone loved it. The one I think that I got the the most response of the first time was the Mama's Family card for Judgment. Uh, (laughs) Well, and I just love that it's like Mama's Family. I mean... I love that show. You do? I have a funny story about that. It's not super funny. But it's... You'll you'll appreciate it. Did Vicky Lawrence behave herself? No, she did. No, it had nothing to do with her. This is amazing. We'll describe this, and then I'll tell you my mama's family okay, story. The judgment... She's got mama in her, like, flowered dress. Yes, and her, her you know, lilac-colored uh, little sweater. Yeah. Uh, but it's the judgment card. So it's about right. judgment and reckoning and, and just, you can call it karmic. Yeah. But it's the judgment card. And I, I mean, I think of probably mothers being the most judgmental. Yeah. Not the best and the worst. And I thought the best mom I could think of that's judgmental would be Mama Harper from Mama's Family. Yeah. So we still have, like, the, the traditional one on this card has, like, the three people coming out of the, the coffins. Right. Looking for their judgment day. But there's Mama with her purse, just looking not pleased. The mug from the Bigger Jigger. Yeah. What's the Bigger Jigger? The bar where they hung out? Oh, that was the place yeah. where Vin... That was like the, that was uh, the Peach Pit or the uh, Regal Beagle that, or whatever it is. The, the Regal Beagle. No one remembers the Regal Beagle. I remember the Regal I Beagle. too. Yeah. Who just, like, stuff like this that... Yeah. That, and it's funny. The people that, that really like the Mama's Family card were... A lot of gay guys and a lot of like fundamental Christian people. They like that. You could tell. They, well, they were like, you know, sending me little DM messages, going, you know, you know, you're doing God's work, and I'm thinking this woman does not know that she's talking to a gay yeah. dude. You know, maybe because there's trumpets and clouds, she thinks it's Jesusy. And they, I think Mama Harper represents someone that they think is someone very conservative. But if you ever watch the show, she's yeah. really sort of like this liberal kind of badass senior citizen. Yeah, she's like Madam the Doll. Waylon Flowers come to life. She's sort of a oh god, like Madam. Um, Mama's family story. 9-11. Morning 9-11. Tragic, right? Oh, yeah. I'm watching TV. My roommate and I are watching TV. I had just gotten TiVo within the last year. And right in the middle of all this 9-11 coverage, the TiVo pops up with a message. TiVo would like to change the channel and record Mama's family. And I was like, "Really, Tivo? You really know us very well. Yes, we we will su- we support that. Go ahead, do your thing." So yeah, that was my Tivo message on the morning of nine eleven. Buildings are falling, and Tivo goes. Tivo would like to record Mama's family. Um, see, that's I like yeah. that kind of Tivo. At least you know, come back to familiar home. It's gonna yes. be okay. I know it's it was sending a comforting message. Um, now I know you are you love the pop culture of the seventies, eighties, like oh, yeah. stuff like that. 
are there sexy guy cards that will exist with your Eric Estradas, your... Who are your sexy guys from the 70s? Uh, Al Parker. I mean, I'm talking like... The, Al Parker from porn. He, he was... I still like... He's iconic. Uh, he is like... I yeah. pray at his shrine. Yeah. Al Parker. Like, I miss Al Parker. I know a lot yeah. of people probably do too, but these kids these days don't know who that is. And I'm yeah. thinking, that man had heat, kid. Like, he didn't need no Instagram account. No. Like, he was the real deal. And I think he was... <laughs> You'll appreciate this, because it, it hits a lot of your quadrants. Okay. My friends have a video with a bunch of random stuff on it, like funny clips from things. And there was one clip that they called Meat Ass. And we played it in the home video gong show. And Julie Brown, I think, gonged it. But it was Al Parker from some porn where there's just a guy's, like, foggy, like a steam room kind of vibe. And then a guy expresses his prolapse. And Al, anyway, Al does something with it. He gives it a little twist. (laughs) And then we called that meat. That became known as the meat ass clip. That became sort of legendary at the Gong Show, uh, and Julie Brown was a particular fan. Um, that was a tangent, but and that and I also don't think it represents the best of Al Parker's work, meat ass, by any means. <laughs> he was he had much more to offer than that. But yeah. Um, so Al Parker, you would do an Al Parker one? Yeah, you know I do need some sexy guy cards. The women are so fun though. Women right. are just so. Maybe it's the, the gay guys. That's why I yeah. want to think of Donna Summer who did not embrace her gay audience until it was like it hit her paycheck. Yeah. It's like gays will take care of you, you know, like. They're there for you. The women are so I remember, fascinating. I used to love to do, draw and I thought I would one day be a cartoonist or something when I was younger. Uh, and I love to draw Charlie's Angels. I could draw them all the time. Not that good, but that was my favorite thing to draw. Sure. There's something about the curvy feathered hair oh, and yeah. the lips and the eyebrows and or the eye the eyelashes and Yeah. So Al Parker's your your ones. He's the, the the one I've got to definitely do one of. Who else did I? That's a good question. Let me come yeah. back to that too. No I got to think about that too. Just that's a really good that. Yeah. Were you a uh, like an eight is enough, like a Grant Goodeve or a Willie Ames was my sweet spot. Uh, Gregory Harrison. I mean, I was I was weird. I always had a thing for Telly Savalas. I always had a thing for Kojak as a little right. kid. Yeah. Jack, I was like, oh, that man will take care of you. I still, right. people ask me, who's your hot guy? That, who's your dream guy that you give it up for? I'm like, Telly Savalas. That's so interesting. Oh, just like, yeah. The dude I, just was. Like, you had he, the home game. Oh, man. But just, nobody fucked in it. I don't remember that I happening. Need, we need to change that game. <laughs> change it. Just change the card. I miss Telly Savalas. <laughs> That's so good. He had, the, he had the lollipops. What was his buzzword? His, uh, who loves you, baby? Who loves you, baby? Yeah. As yeah. a little kid, my little like prepubescent voice, I was like, I right. do. Like, oh, that, talk about sugar daddy. He was just so he was everything. so cool. Yeah. Now, you you talked about growing up in Oregon for mm-hmm. part of it, but yeah. it was very kind of uh, open. Like, how do you describe it to me? Southern Oregon is still, I, I grew up in Ashland, Oregon. Right. And uh, Ashland has a... But your parents were pretty cool and open. And... They were not. They were super Catholic. Oh, okay. Uh, we were... I say we because I have a twin brother. We're both identical. We're both gay. Right. Uh, we were both so effeminate as little kids. And, you know, when you're a little gay kid, you don't know that you're you're just being yourself. You're not trying to right. be anything else. But in my mind, I remember watching Dukes of Hazzard and I see Daisy Duke walk and I would mimic her swinging her hips. Right. And my dad just going, you know, the fuck are you doing? Yeah. You know, sorry, I don't mean to cuss on this. Yeah, you can totally cuss on it. Uh, them taking us to the priest to try and, like, I guess Jesus, the the... Gay out of us. They would never say they, that it was the gay thing. They would, you know, just stop acting like girls, you know. And right. You know, the girls. Were you both fun. like that? Yeah. Yeah. Being twins, yeah. You, you, we, we both were. Right. And all we did was watch American Bandstand. We'd watch uh, 
soul train. So right, dancing. I mean, and all you that just stuff. learn how to dance. So those people yeah. really knew how to dance. So in my mind, when I was a kid, I'm thinking, well, I'll I'll try and and behave the way they want me to. But when I'm you know 18, I'm going to be on on soul train. See you, you know. Right. You had so a plan. I I knew it. Like right. I just, you know, play for them. This this little act I got to do, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna train. quote unquote butch it up or whatever that is. Uh, straight it up yeah. until I can get the hell out. But you know, too, I knew a lot of... Uh, I got into bodybuilding in, when I was in the my, my late teen years and my early yeah. 20s. And I knew a lot of tough dudes that turned out to be gay. We all right. we, we weren't out then, but we gay stuff would happen. Right. And we, I love that. Gay stuff would happen. It would just... But it was like, cool. Like, you yeah. would do it and then uh, we'd meet back at the gym like nothing would happen. And then, yeah. you know, time would go on. And yeah, I'm a little sore from yesterday's workout. It would start like that. It really... Yeah. I'm so grateful that we did it before, like, social media and phones because people were much more open to just right. being themselves, I guess, without the, the fear of being recorded. Right. But all the dudes I talked to that were, were kind of, like, very masculine, we all kind of shared this history that, God, I was such a, a very effeminate as a kid. Right, and it was kind of a neat thing to realize I was too, and I don't know where I got it from, except you know, I was just being myself. You're just being yourself, idolizing what I what I thought was cool. Were you and your brother able to confide in each other around that stuff? We did without speaking, and maybe that's a twin thing. Yeah, we got in trouble so much for but the same things though. But for it wasn't those, like one of you was queenier than the other. No, we both were. We both were. It was the Pointer Sisters minus one. We were both like, <laughs> in sync, studying choreography. We would do it. We would sing Supreme songs. We would sing uh, Donna Summer songs, of course. Yeah. And your voice not, you know, changing yet. You can hit all those notes. And, right. Uh, yeah, we really terrorized our parents. And I didn't know it was hurting them. They wouldn't... Other adults knew what was going on. They, the other adults were very nice. And my parents were did the best they could. Right. But they were very afraid of the gay thing. And it wasn't until I think I was probably... 38 my mom finally said i always knew you were gay but up until that point she could point i was so surprised that i'm thinking mom like the donna summer thing right we we both learned to spell donna summer's name from the bad girls record cover before we could spell our own name and that is the god honest truth because we played that record so much i remember when my dad got it at music land yeah and uh it was like hearing the voice of god it just spoke to me and my brother and we just I just remember learning cursive before even learning how to print. Right. Because the record cover had her name in cursive, and it was always Donna Summer. Anytime I'd spell anything, it was always Donna. My grandma would go, you know, what is this? Who is right. this person? And you were just your name. And how old were you when you fell in love with Donna Summer? Probably like four years old. It was wow. 1979. I might have been three going on four. Wow. Honestly. Amazing. It was a, She was very, she was the first voice I remember hearing. And it right. Was, I mean, a great voice. It was beautiful. And well, some of your illustrations... Uh, on Instagram are of her. Oh, yeah. Right? I did a whole yeah. series of her uh, after 2012 when she passed. Uh, I, I got to meet her like five times. Yeah. From 2003 to like 2010, I think, was the last time I actually talked to her. And uh, being a fan and, and uh, being uh, just in awe of her, I never wanted to do any artwork because I was afraid I was going to fuck it up. Like, right. I don't want to mess up. It's like someone, do a picture of your mother. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to make... You felt like you couldn't live up no, to it. No, it was like like the Virgin Mary. Honest to God, it yeah. was so like, I cannot do something that, that spiritual. Right. But after she died, all I wanted to do. So uh, little by little, the, I look back on the drawings that I thought were so great on my Tumblr account going, ah, oh, Jesus, thank God Tumblr went whoosh, you know, yeah. by the wayside. Is it no longer there? I took everything down. After yeah. they got, they started crunching down on like their porn, I thought, oh, yeah. screw you, you know? Yeah. So I started redoing some Donna Summer stuff, and it feels good to take your time. Right. Not all of a sudden rush through it, you know, through tears and going, it's done. You know, yeah. it's, it, it looks, 
at least close to Donna Summer. People can guess it's either Donna Summer or RuPaul. Yeah, well, to me, I knew instantly it was Donna Summer. And speaking of Donna Summer, you've got three. Um, are these EPs? They're they're yes. CDs yes. with with several tracks on them. They're also on Spotify. I love the quality of your voice. I love the production of it. They're wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank are you. any of them originals? Or are they all sort of covers of? Because there's one that's a lot of Fleetwood Mac. That the first one was a Fleetwood Mac one. It was all words and music written by Stevie Nicks between yeah. 1975 and 1979. Nice. And it was her doing like the Jerry Hermit thing, complete words and music just on her own. And yeah. I was impressed that this woman did these incredible this work. Yeah. The only number one hit that Fleetwood Mac has to date, the only number one is Dreams that was written by her. Right. Uh, that was their only number one hit? Yeah, they've had other hits, but the only number that one... That was the only was, one that just went to number one? Like, yeah. Go Your Own Way or Don't they, Stop Never Went to Number One? I was surprised, too, because these are like anthems. Like, right. These are no, Rhiannon, sure. uh, Tango in the Night, anything from that yeah. stuff. The only number one so far has been uh, Dreams. So the tracks are Rhiannon, Gold Dust Woman, Dreams, The Light, and Gypsy. I wonder if there are girls out there named Rihanna after that song. I have, met have you few. met any? Yes, yeah. and it's funny when that CD came out in 2014. Uh, Gold Dust Woman is the only one that was on this Grey's Anatomy playlist, and I don't know how I got on it. I'm grateful because I do get a little residuals from like every every six months. You get from that song and from got on the playlist. It. I'll get my two dollar check from like yeah. Wow, it had this many for plays Spotify. for this Grey's Anatomy playlist. But I had more uh, emo kids. Write me going, oh my god, you wrote this song, it was so good. And I'm thinking, that's a big song by Fleetwood Mac. I would never say that I wrote this song, but because right. they don't look, they're not looking at CDs, they're only hearing something streamed. Right. And because the arrangement is so different, uh, it's such a compliment to think that, right. that it, it just shows the power of how great Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac are. I'm thinking, oh, no, 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 you know, this is Stevie Nicks. That's, you gotta really see her body of work. Right. And I, lo- I just love your vocal on it, and the production is so simple and Thank beautiful. You. I love it. And which is the most recent one that you did? The one we released in 2019 in uh, March. The one uh, called Last Saturn Year, Sun. Saturn Sun. Yeah. And you did Wonderwall on that, mm-hmm. which I love. Thank you. Um, and Dreaming is a cover of... It's a Blondie song. Okay. It's, a, it's got this kick-ass awesome, like, I don't know how they did the drum on it. It's just, it's a beautiful song that's not even long yeah. enough. You just want to keep playing it on repeat. But uh, the producer I worked with on, John Ballinger, yeah. we wanted to rearrange it to make it a little more... Uh, David Bowie, new wave-ish, but a little slower because there was no way either of us could like, we can't do that drum. Right. But we want to do the song because the, the, the lyrics were so just fun. It's Deborah Harry. You can't go wrong. Right. And then Lucky. Lucky is a song off Bad Girls by Donna Summer, and uh, it's a fast song. It's great. I've heard it played at, at the Eagle. Like, right. I'm so glad. It, it's sort of an underground hit. It wasn't released as a single. Right. But in any gay club, you'll hear that song with a great DJ. Right. And I've always loved that song. And my brother actually said, you know, it'd be really cool if someone did that kind of as a ballad. Yeah. So he really uh, came up with the idea for that song, but that Lucky song that Donna Summer won really got legs on it this summer because the musical was, you know, being, being right, you know, yeah. uh, around and people were becoming more familiar with Donna Summer. Uh, I'm proud of that. But so, was, so people were finding it on Spotify and you would see streams and stuff like that? Yes. What is it like to be on Spotify and like, how do you find out if something's catching on? How do you make something catch on? Who do you hear from? I don't know because there's so much good music and there's so much bad music too, but all of us are on Spotify. So, I mean, uh, I get it from people that either DM me from from Instagram or Facebook. And I I used to work at 665 in West Hollywood. Uh, The leather store. The only leather store in West Hollywood. Right. Is it no longer there? It's still there. It's still there. It's the only, but it's being West Hollywood. It's the only leather store. I love the guys that work there. I had a blast working there. Yeah. Um, I would meet a lot of people that would, you know, either someone would come in 
they find me working at the store yeah saying oh my god aren't you that singer and i'm thinking yeah right you know you you don't know who i am and sure enough it was it had a huge uh following like in places like uh in spain and and brazil i'm really grateful for that just you never know where your, right. your music is, is landing there and playing there so it's uh but more uh, in person than anything else. And it's, I'm not like, you know, I don't want to be mainstream. Right. I want to find, I want to be like John Waters was in the 70s. I want to find my little cult of people yeah. that we kind of get each other. We're both weirdos and we both kind of dig each other what we're doing. I don't want to be a Beyonce or a, a yeah. I don't want to be mainstream. I want to be Andy Lennox when she was with the Eurythmics, you know, in the early days. I want to be strange and weird because I'm strange and weird. <laughs> right. I love it. And this, and the CD in the middle is Summer, Summer Solstice. Solstice. Is it Donna Summer songs? All three songs by Donna Summer and they were songs I really liked. Uh, I'm free, walk away, and I feel love. I feel love. I know for sure. Um, obviously, it was a big hit. Oh yeah, I'm free. Was that? I'm free. Was from '84. It was from Cats Without Claws, and yeah. it was right after she did. She worked hard for the money. Yeah, she had an album called Cats Without Claws that was on Geffen, and yeah. it was right around the time she made those remarks that she got called out for uh, in the Village Voice. Oh, the the, the anti-gay. Yeah. not you know, what is it? Uh, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Right. Because she would proselyze outside of her concerts. Yeah, the album tanked because she you know screwed her gay audiences yeah. by, by trying to school them on this stuff and right. being really religious and uh it's a shame because the album really had some good tracks on it and i'm free is one of those tracks that that got remixed by uh jellybean benitez oh yeah of course awesome her version of that is great i've always loved the song the song was written by her husband right and uh i've always loved that song so working with john bellinger on that one too uh we got to do it and and bruce heard it uh, i'm so pleased that he he Bruce is Bruce is, is uh, Donna's Donna's husband, her widow, Bruce right. Adano. He was pleased with it. He didn't say too much, and he's a man of very few words, and he's a great musician. But it's nice if you don't get any complaints. That sometimes no news is good news. So was, how did you find out that he? I actually saw him at Genghis Cohen when he's doing one of his shows there. Oh, okay. And uh, I gave it to him, and he looked at it, and he's like, "I'm free," and he started writing, singing the lyrics, right, the chorus. And you have to be a Donna Summer fan to to know that chorus, and it, right. it moved me because I'm thinking, "Holy crap!" Like this is. The man who wrote these words, uh, singing it back to me, and he goes, "You're talking about this song," and I said, "Yes, sir. This is it." And he goes, "Just you know, thank you, you know." And looked back in the picture of the Donna Summer picture, and he just said, "You did this right. You did oh, this that's right." So nice. And when I was a kid, Didn't that means so much. It moved me because when Donna did that song, she was trying to really push that album. She did it on American Bandstand during Christmas time. She did the song "I'm Free" and "Supernatural Love," and as a kid in '84, I remember getting in trouble for being too too effeminate, too gay, with my parents. And even during Christmas time, getting, you know, getting in trouble, getting, you know, your ass whooped, getting lectures. And, you know, you're eight or nine years old, and you just, you're, they're telling you not to be yourself. So I remember the only highlight for that Christmas was seeing Donna Summer on American Bandstand singing I'm Free. And she looked so happy and so bright, and she was so just beautiful. She, she was a gorgeous woman. And to be able to do that song now as an adult meant so much to me. And to get the response from someone like the songwriter meant a lot. And I still get people that that come up talking about it, too. The one I get on that one the most is Walk Away, yeah. um, which was from uh, Bad Girls as well. And it, the, vo the vocal was really, really uh, strong on it. Uh, it's, it's a, they're, they're, they're great songs. I mean, so it's hard... You, Hard to, to go astray with some really good yeah. songwriting. I mean, she had an amazing voice, a, kill, a, a great look. What What is it about her, though, that connects? What does she mean to you? I, it's, you know, it's going to sound... I remember I, I did a speech on it for a group of writers in Pacific Palisades. And uh, I don't know what it was. When I first heard her, 
uh, I was afraid. I was like really young. Uh, I heard MacArthur Park for the first time in front of a hot dog on a stick. Remember those places? Of course. They make the lemonade. Yeah. I was at a mall. I remember being in a stroller. And I know people are going to say, you don't remember that. Well, I do. And hearing the chorus of that where she does that really kind of spooky cry. Yeah. And it scared me. But I could not get that voice out of my head. And then hearing stuff like uh, Last Dance, Bad Girls, I started to realize as a kid it's the same person. And then when I saw the cover of Bad Girls, it just changed everything for me. It really did. You so, were so young, though. And it's, it hits you. I guess it's like people that hear Barbra Streisand for yeah. the first time or Judy Garland. Right. For me, I didn't get those ladies, and they're fantastic. I get them now as an adult. But as a kid, that's what it did to me and my brother. We were both always together. And uh, it was like hearing the voice of God. That's it. And I'm not a, a, I'm not a Christian person. I'm a spiritual person. But to me, that was the voice of God. It just... It just changed everything, and uh, it always stuck with me. I don't know what it was. It was something that just—it was always a connection. I've yeah. met other Donna Summer fans that that get that too, and you think, "Oh God, you know that girl's really crazy," and you realize, "Holy crap, we're all crazy together. We all are." To me, it's like we're a bunch of of aliens, and she's like the the goddess from the mothership. I guess right. it's like hearing the mothership call you. It's that sound. But that that idea that you were having a kind of a time around Christmas and there was this bright voice singing I'm free it it just for so a, saying hang in there yeah in a way and, and, it, and it's funny when I think about the controversy that she she was surrounding herself with saying those kind of comments I don't really think Donna Summer was a, a homophobic person I just think she was saying something she was reborn born again yeah. I think she was in that space where they get very very you know over the top and just got caught up did uh, it hurt your feelings at the time no, because I had a feeling that I knew that she didn't know what she was saying. I don't think she really believed those kind of things. Right. Um, I think she was just parroting what she saw in the Seven Hundred Club and the stuff right. that she, she was, was popping just, up yeah. on. So you didn't you didn't take it on and turn no. away. And I remember having big arguments as I got I got older with uh, gay men who lost people during the AIDS crisis in the eighties and nineties, and how they felt that Donna Summer turned her back on these people. And I, I get that. Because I think Donna Summer could have been as relevant as Madonna, as relevant as Elizabeth Taylor, because her audience were gay men. Right. Um, and she should be remembered like that, but she's almost seen just as a, as a relic from the disco era. She sort of, uh, she gave away her crown and her kingdom, and it was nothing but beautiful gay people. And I right. think if she just would have embraced it, she would have been as revered as a Cher, as a Madonna, and not seen as this like kind of Anita Bryant-ish. Yeah, no, for sure. And so many of the disco women that have come after her have done that yes you, you know they all do there you, you can't think of any of them that have they all kind of know and some of it may be a commercial move but i think they probably saw donna summer going oh, okay now yeah can work out and you, the yes like, let's not do let's that do route. that we're gonna we're gonna whether you believe it or not we're gonna we're gonna play to that audience we're gonna we're certainly not gonna talk shit about them no and i, I just yeah. i think she really got caught up being born again and being i remember like i think what made me more uh, is that okay to talk about this yeah i love it time? What made me so forgiving about her comments was that I remember growing up with this New Age community in the 80s. Right. And seeing really, really good people get caught up with different gurus that were, you know, preaching different New Age things, which right. was great, but they got way caught up in it, you know, for about three or four years. And seeing adults sort of like, okay, they're, if they get... Losing themselves. Yes. Yeah, so I kind of felt like she was like someone who got caught up in an idea that was so uh, romantic. It romanticized her that she just was in it to win it. But it, yeah. it wasn't a win like... No, the gays. You know, maybe we were we were there for you. We we made you. You know, yeah. Honestly, that's what it was. Yeah. And meeting her, the times that I got to meet her, I knew and seen her around other people. She, she loved the gay people. She loved us. She loved everybody. 
When did you get to meet her? I met her in 2003 with my brother. I was living in Houston, and I'd gone through my my first big breakup, and uh, I thought I was going to die. I, I was like, you know, life is over. I was 24 thinking, I'm washed up. It's done. Yeah. And Donna Summer had just written her book, Ordinary Girl, and she was doing a signing that book, Soup. And my brother called me up, and he said, hey, you know, come out for two weeks. Get away from your ex, because I was still living with them, because that's what weird gay guys do. You, you yeah. Know, I'll make it work. I'll be Janet. You know, I'll be no, just shit. a bit. And uh, I came out here, and I didn't die. And Donna Summer was here. I got to meet her twice at Book Soup and at a Barnes & Nobles in Costa Mesa. And uh, it was incredible. And her husband, Bruce, was so, so, so nice. He was, they were always together. Right. They were great as a team. And uh, it just changed my life. It was like that, I guess that I'm free moment from 1984, seeing her there. It was like, here I am. You know, I, I thought this was going to be the end of You always TV. thought that world was a million miles away in, yeah. a, t- in a TV. Did you were you able to say any of that to her? Or her it goes so fast, right? I they they were filming the Lifetime TV or Lifetime TV biography about her, right? And they I have a Donna Summer tattoo that I got before I got to meet her because right? I, yeah. I I I have lots of tattoos and I thought right. I might get a Donna Summer one because that's my hero, right? So Lifetime one of the execs saw it and uh, I had so many people taking pictures with just my arm, which you see like real fans and you feel like that. Ooh, okay, this fan might be kind of a little stalkerish, right? Uh, but I got to, she was, there were so many people there too. I got to like shake her hand and talk to her and she, she signed and I just said, you're my hero. And she just grabbed my hand and she goes, thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, it was just, it was, it was quick and it was, it was simple. It felt like the most natural thing. And her, her husband was very, very gracious. And we saw them the next day at Costa Mesa when they were doing the signing. And uh, I remember they were just grateful that we were there. They're like, we wanted to make sure that people were there just because, you know, it's Donna Summer, it's 2003. She's not like, you know, on the charts all the time. Right. And we just want to show her support and they love that. And I think she was always accessible to her fans like that. She loved the support and they, she was very open to that kind of support. Nice. Have you gone to the nightclub Madonna Summer over in um, uh, Fault Line? No, when? My my friends, Mark, Mark and Jason, DJ what? it. And the whole night is Madonna and Donna Summer. And they mix them in oh, so let's seamlessly. Please, count me in, I'll count let me, you know the next please, time they do it. Please. Oh, you would love it. And all of the icon, all of the imagery. I'll send you some stuff. It's amazing. Oh my god! And gosh. they do di- deep digs. Um, yeah, Madonna Summer is a blast. It's a great club, and they've started doing like Britney Houston. I think they did, but I, I like Madonna Summer is the best. <laughs> um, you have a T-shirt on that says "Happiness is a warm straitjacket," and some of your imagery on your Instagram and stuff. Has you in a straight jacket. What's the story? Is that part of your music it is, thing? It's you know, it's a fetish. I've always I gotta yeah. It's, it's something I'm very open about. Um, right. When I was a little kid, I don't know where it came from, and I remember hearing Dan Savage say this. Right. Uh, that you don't pick your fetishes; they pick you. Right. I was always into bondage, and I mean, as a little kid, I was talking to my brother about this because he was saying, "God, Paul, you were such a sexual little kid." And we never did anything. This is one of those. It's creepy when you meet people that go, "Oh, twins, a gay man's fantasy," and I'm thinking right. uh, that she's my sister. You know, like, right. That's not my type. Right. When I was a little kid, I was always interested in bondage. Right. And uh, I would try and convince my babysitters to kind of tie me up to keep me out of trouble. And right. I was just totally getting off on it. And I don't know where it came from. I was probably like six or seven, honest right. to God, when I started to really have this need for for this fetish. And straight. And when did it, always... when did straight as it go from tying up to a straight jacket? When you what do you realize? Oh, there's this thing called a straight jacket. I was on TV. I think I was watching something like it wasn't cops because it was this yeah. was too early. This must have been eighty 
Might have been Kojak. 82? It might have been. <laughs> but I saw this guy getting, getting... That's too much. Kojak and a straitjacket? Oh, it's... Count me in. I'm, I'm in heaven. <laughs> He'll take care of you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I saw some guy on TV getting getting tossed into one. And I just remember, I guess like that Donna Summer thing, my eyes got transfixed. Yeah. I couldn't see anything. I, I've heard people say, you know, um, when they, they've fallen in love for the first time, you don't hear anything... You know, you kind of get heady. You get kind of like yeah. dizzy. I'm like six years old, seven years old. I mean, and I just could not get my eyes off it. My mouth started to water. It was, <laughs> I just was so transfixed and I was scared, but I was so attracted to what I was seeing. Right. And I was, I didn't know what I was experiencing. And I think my mom said, Mio, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm I'm fine. Like, I'm I'm good, mom. And she's trying to tell me, you know, you know, bad things happen to people like that. And that's what happens to bad guys and crazy people. And I'm thinking, oh, this looks pleasant to me. Like, yeah, I'm all in. Oh, yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. You say that. So I, I just remember her saying that and just trying to, to go back to that channel again, trying to, to figure trying out. Trying to find the state jacket thing. So I've been going to the library trying to look this thing up. And, and this was before, like, the internet. So you're, right. you're, you're, you, you had know, to really work for your thing. Trying to act like you're into magicians and escape yeah. artists and... and you know, getting turned on by people's tortuous stories of being like, you know, uh, just not good events. But I'm right. thinking this is like kind of, you know, bondage porn for me as a little kid. I would just. You were into it. I It was so I, I've always been attached to straight jackets as a kid. And uh, it was so taboo and it is kind of strange, but it's not so strange. I mean, it's it's uh, it is what it is. It, that is what it is. But uh, what, what do you remember the first time you saw a real one? I think I was probably. 18 and it was like at a farmer's market there was a magician yeah and um just transfixed just totally transfixed uh, right but i didn't get my first one until i was i think 22 on ebay in the early 2000s where do you could i go buy buy one on that line now you where can. do you are they are they, they real ones though or yes because i've had people like oh you know uh i i've always liked the institutional like the full yeah you want police. a real one i want the full experience you and don't want like the, the costume one right like people like have the leather ones and i'm thinking that those are nice but it's like that's more of like a club wear i mean i right. want the full experience i want to feel like what someone's you know you want the full francis farmer yeah i kind of do yeah and I, I remember going through that like clip too going this is so hot and thinking, <laughs> that's so wrong i know that's so wrong mental illness is nothing to joke at no but so that's <laughs> Lady Sings the Blues, I'm like, oh gosh, she's so lucky. It's so not, I know, but that's... It's great, though. It's it's honest, it's interesting, it's I cool. I think fetish guys that... I've met other guys that are into straight jackets, too, and we, we joke about going, oh my god, like... the thing Do you want to be in it, or put somebody in it, or I'm both? I'm good at both. Yeah. I really enjoy both. I probably have... Yeah. Uh, I have about 18 now. Yeah. The full-on institutional ones. What um, are the best ones? Like, what's your best one? The Posey straight jackets are the best, in my opinion. Because which ones? It's from a company called Posey. They make okay. really good restraints. Okay. Like medical restraints, but some police officers use them too. Yeah. Um, so a straight jacket has arms that mm -hmm. go around, and then it attaches in the back. Yep. So it's pretty much that basic, right? And it's got a crotch strap, so you can't, like, like pull yeah. over your head. Like, it's very secure. Right. Um, yeah, just... Yeah. Uh, what's the most unusual one you own? They're all institutional ones from like the 60s all the way. Because they're used, right? Some of them are. Some of them are from uh, dead stocks. They were like in somebody's, you know, yeah. my dad was a doctor and yeah. we're trying to sell this stuff. Uh, there was a front closing one. Instead of having the straps in the back, there was one that had a collar that sort of folded. Right. Uh, like, like a shirt collar. And it closes in the front. And it's called a Melrose jacket. It's the company right. Melrose that made it. Uh, which actually... Joan Crawford in the end of Straight Jacket, they see her kind of in that. But if you see the straps in the front, 
uh, it's the Melrose jacket. Oh, nice. But it almost looks tailored. Like even most yeah, of the jackets she are probably fitted, had it. But the Melrose jacket is tailored. Like it's yeah. a nice looking straight jacket. It has a nice silhouette. It sort of does. Yeah, it's got the, the Barbara Stanwyck shoulder pads. Like right. it's, it's yeah you. But the thing, a lot of things that people like fetish wear, like leather or whatever, you can wear to a club or something like that. This is a little more challenging, I think. You really can't. Yeah, there's other fetishes I'm kind of into as well that you can, like, you know, wear around. You can wear in the world, right? But the straight jacket is a little polarizing because uh, either people think that you're in trouble or you're, like I've had... Or you're in a show or, like, it's just not something that people wear. Right. In, the, in a normal day-to-day situation. I try and change that. I used to, during Folsom, it was so fun to go up to Folsom in yeah. San Francisco a few days before with some friends and wear it around town and people are like, oh, it's like a costume party. And yeah. Like, people yeah. are into it. It's yeah. like that time of year. I When I've worn it in public, right. uh, I used to wear it sometimes around uh, Houston at some of the leather bars and at right. some of the dance clubs. And it was so open. People would come up and just, I would meet gay guys, a lot of straight guys, a lot of straight guys that would just get so turned on, you know, asking about it. and right. Uh, trying to buy me drinks, but they would hold the drink. Well, no, would... are you literally like? Oh yeah, it was... so you're not. So you can't. You don't have a hand for a drink. No, nothing. You can't shake anybody's but these hand. Guys would come up and would would yeah. You know, hold the drink while I sipped it. I guess it was. Uh, it's incredible when people see it. The uh, people I wouldn't expect come up and, and start talking and asking right. questions and sharing their stories. What, what's interesting about it is it's not just the physical restraint, but the. People assume something about your mental state. Yes. What? How does that fit into it for you? I uh, well, even like with the T-shirt that says "Happiness is a warm street jacket," I've yeah. had people come up going, "You know, that's really not true." You know, I've had friends, and I'm thinking, "Well, you know what? I I really enjoy it." You know, I, I try and and you realize when you're when you're. Oh, I used God. to try and say something very like clever or something like, uh, very milk toast. I try and like you know give them a very like Disney answer, yeah. and it got so. It got so complicated trying to give them a, a PC answer because then the conversation would continue and I'm thinking, oh, Jesus Christ, how do I get out of this? You know, right? right. This conversation's a straight jacket. Um, I just started. Being, and not the fun kind. No, it's like no. This is the Francis Farmer <laughs> moment. You know, mother. This is, now, where do you get a T-shirt that says "Happiness is a warm straight jacket"? I do the artwork for them. I do the artwork. Oh, nice. And I have a company in Fresno that makes them. them for me. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Perfect. So, uh, yeah. What was your I interrupted? No, no. So when people come and talk to you. I probably ninety ninety nine percent of the time it's really positive. I don't yeah. have anybody, you know. Uh, I've had a few people ask, Are "You just want to make sure you're doing okay. Right. You know, you're not in any kind of trouble." Right. Uh, and I've, I've always been with friends. I, I don't do it by myself. I, I'm not that precarious. To, right. To, to let's do this today. Now, what about when the internet came along and you probably found other people? When I that was into single, it. I would post pictures, and I uh, was on. Uh, I was on X Cube. I was right. On, you know, like like we all were. It was you right. know the, the aughts. The wild, yeah. Uh, and the Yahoo groups, do you remember the Yahoo groups? Yes. They were so, it was a community. It was before, like, you know, Grindr and before yeah. uh, BetLife. I, I remember, like, the uh, the AOL chat rooms. Yes. So and the, the, the sound of the modem, like, <laughs> cranking into gear. Right. Yeah. That was wild. I would meet these guys in the street jackets or meet other guys like us, and I've noticed that guys that were into their fetish, they were the most normal, down-to-earth guys. They were, well, you know, uh, very normal guys. I think once they were in tune with their fetish and they weren't shy about it, they could commune with that. It wasn't scary. I've, I've never been tied up. By, I've never. It made them less. I've never had a spooky experience or one where strange, you know, yeah. oh my gosh, you shouldn't get tied up by somebody you're vulnerable. I've never yeah. had uh, a bad interaction with someone who was already into the fetish. Right. I've had more weird interactions with people that were seemed normal and like, okay, this is weird, you know, and. 
I guess I'll go for it. The guys that were really into their their kink were so normal. It was really they were very jam. It was more integrated in their lives. It was like yeah, they were, they were very jam Brady. Well, it was like two jam Brady's talking to each other, so you could talk about your George Glasses <laughs> together. Is that too weird? People are gonna know what I'm talking about. Yeah, like, George Glasses, the fictional boyfriend that she made up. That, I think I might name this podcast two George uh, two jam Brady's talking to each other um, because I always pull a quote <laughs> from the, the, the thing to be the title. Um, but if you're going out, somebody has to put you in it. I always had a friend. I always you had, had somebody. There's some friend that's somebody like, you're so crazy, you. Paul, let's do this. You know, yeah. we, I, I haven't done it. I've not done it here in at the Eagle here, but the Eagle back in Houston. Right. And at the Ripcord, uh, I had some really good friends. We would just I'd be that guy, that strange, oh, it's crazy, Paul, let's go do this. Yeah. And and you're in it all night. Yeah, we, I was really comfortable. I really like, I like tight spaces. I like. Yeah, not, you like that feeling. I think, you know. Even if you were going to panic, the safest place to be is in a straitjacket because right. you're safe. Right. So um, it just lent to the the experience, and everybody wants to take your picture with you, which is so nice. I'm so grateful for that because right. it's weird. You're going to be that weirdo. Yeah. So you might as well lean into it, right? I'm Dan Brady. I'm, I'm cool go. with it. I think the straitjacket and being okay with my fetish totally got me okay with being. Uh, I was always okay with being gay. I was always out. Right. I mean, I outed myself before I even you know when I was uh, a toddler. You know. Right. But when it came time to to be out, I just the straitjacket was like, well, as long as they know about it, you know, there's no secrets. I'm not, you can't hold anything against me. I don't care. Like, right. the right people figure it out. The wrong ones think, oh, you're so creative, you're so artistic, so or you're just weird. Right. It's like people that that, you know, oh, you know, don't show your fetish because you might alienate someone who who might dig your music. You know, you don't want to lose something like right. that. Right. And I'm thinking, you know, my the audience that I want, I want weirdos. I don't want right. I don't want the conservatives. I don't want, you know, fundamental, you know, people that, that only like me for this either. You, you want to just be who you are. Don't Davenport. Just, you know. Yeah, fuck cha-cha it. Cha-cha hills. Life is too short, right? Yeah. Um, I agree. All right. Here's your, you pick some questions from the observation deck. If you're going to appear in an infomercial, what would the product be? Did we just talk about it? No. Well, we probably would probably do like a at-home straight jacket. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hi. Yeah, but is there anything else? Is that why did you pick the card? Because I think we need to. I think wigs need to make a comeback. Wigs. Yes, and I think with with the the death of uh, Evie Gabor and 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 people don't know who Paula Young wigs are and yeah, and, uh, we need wigs. We need wigs. Women's back again. wigs, or do you want to wear a wig? I, I love wearing wigs. I don't wear yeah. them like when I'm in my kink, but I, I yeah. think just to change up the day. Yeah, just the Jan Brady thing. I think the wig just it changes your day. Have you ever met Jan Brady? Have you ever met E Plum? I have not, but I'm more fascinated with Jennifer Louise Cox as as Jan Brady. She was like. She, yeah, that's my my spirit animal. Really, I, I love her. I I know her, but I haven't talked to her in a long, long time. She's so beautiful and so talented, and she just I love the Eve Plum is is incredible. Eve Plum is is like a, a mythic figure. She's almost like you know yeah. a myth. She's I mean Eve yeah. Plum, but Jennifer Elise Cox as Jan Brady was so that's who I was in high school. Yeah. So to see someone who was so like you know frustrated but still you know yeah. trying to do her thing like that's she's my spirit animal truly. Well, nothing. The thing with Jan is nothing ever worked out. Nothing ever came easy. I feel like she always had to fight twice as hard to get half as much. But it was such a glamour. The half as much was just so much more. I mean, it was so much more. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Is Jan Brady going to be a tarot card? I think so. I think it has to be. Yeah. What could she be? I'm going for death. Okay. Because then it can symbolize, you know, over the, the wig, yeah. the afro thing, the glasses. Yeah. yeah. It all goes together. Yeah. That's intense. What's your favorite waste of time? eBay. Really? Yes. What do you buy? I, I just bought, a, uh, I gave it to my brother for Christmas, but yeah. a, Leona Helmsley from the Helmsley Palace, they yeah. used to have like the soap 
and this little green plastic container that said the Helmsley Palace. Yeah. Just weird shit like that. You know that you remember Madge? You're soaking in it, Madge from oh, yeah, Home yeah, Alone. Yeah. They used to sell her smocks on eBay in the aughts in the early two thousands. You could buy the smocks for like twenty nine bucks. I was a fool not to get one, but but they were really hers. Yes. Or did they just say you're no? They were in really it? hers. No, they were her blue smocks from the yeah. commercials and just stuff like that. Goofy yeah. stuff like that. Gina Tay lamps. I just yeah. weird. You just love that shit. Just, what's what's one of your favorite finds? Is there anything in this room that we're looking at that's like a eBay thing? Because you have fun stuff, but you don't have, you don't, it's not overwhelming. We had Sarah Vaughn's license plate. Remember the singer Sarah Vaughn? Yeah, of course. My, my, my partner um, got her license plate on eBay, the last license plate that she had. It says Sassy. Sassy Sarah Vaughn. Yeah, that was, she was, that was, it says Sassy, and it's her real license plate. So the fact that there's a part of Sarah Vaughn here in this house is kind of cool. That's amazing. In my mind, was it a bidding a, war, or was no, it no, like was he snuck now? in there? Was it buy it now? Yeah. Shit. And it was legit. It had certificates, and I mean, it was from a, a reputable source. Yeah. But in my mind, you know, she wore those caftans the last twenty years yeah. of her career. I, I keep thinking that she probably, you know, she was a tough dame. Yeah. She probably, you know, put the license plate on herself and her caftan. Probably did. At least cocktail. put the label on it. Yeah. Yeah. She could be a card. Describe your most unfortunate haircut. Uh, I can. It was during the Billy Ray Cyrus "Achy Break Your Heart" period in right. The mullet. Uh, I had beautiful long hair. Right. And. Uh, my mom took me down to the J.C. Penney salon in yeah. Newport, Oregon, and I got it permed, and that perm did not come out. And How old was, were you? I was probably, uh, oh, I was old enough to know better. I was probably 16 or 17. Right. And it was hot for a minute with all the, like, the shit kickers and the yeah. uh, Kimberly kids, but looking back now, it's like... But it didn't... But your mom took you there. That's cool. It was the J.C. Penney's. That's where you yeah. got a perm at, you know? Now, you, you said that you grew up around a lot of New Age people, but also your parents were religious as well. They had a restaurant in, in Ashland, Oregon right. with, uh, called Baker Street Bakery Cafe, and it had this English theme. It was an English pump house. Right. She only made Mexican food. She had this vision that Yum. it was going to be this Mexican food in this pump house, which right. made no sense because everything was very Sherlock Holmes. They had like the, the stills from the movie with Basil yeah. Rathbone and... Um, it did not succeed. It was weird for its time, and even now, it was, it's a, a weird, weird idea. But because my parents, my dad always cooked, my mom did all the front of the house stuff being right. the server, they were so busy in the restaurant, it allowed me and my brother to go talk to other adults. So, it, so the, all, it was the other influences around you that were New Age. It wasn't your own family. No, that's who raised us. There was a right. New Age gallery in front of our, our parents' restaurant, and that's where we got to meet uh, Bonnie Raitt's boyfriend at the time when she was doing Nick of Time, Timothy Leary, um... How interesting. It was a, a really unique place. Ashton was a, is still a vortex, but yeah. it was a really a big vortex for a lot of creatives to come up because it was close enough to California, yeah. but also removed with the Shakespearean festival and this weird new age vibe because of Mount Shasta being Right, and it really shaped you. Oh, it was so yeah. cool. I mean, you you just, you, you, uh, yeah, you had a really magical, yeah. it was like being in Hogwarts or Narnia. I tell people it's yeah. like Narnia. When I, I went yeah. back this, this last summer, no, I'm sorry, this last uh, November for a week, uh, and it was like returning back to Narnia. It was still beautiful and, and magical. You just go back through the wardrobe. It's still like that. I love it. Um, your brother, David, right? Yeah. Do you guys have that twin connection that people sometimes talk about where something's wrong or you could sense it or anything like that? No, we don't. We've tried it. And we, we only have this connection when we're shopping. And it's the goofiest <laughs> thing. It's the gayest thing, dude. We only have this connection when we're shopping. <laughs> And I, I, it sounds, I wish it was something much more metaphysical. No, I really it's be, hilarious, though. Meaning like, you're both shopping for the same thing. We're on eBay. He lives down the street, like yeah. just a 20-minute walk. And I think I found something that's so cool and unique. And I'll get a phone call. Look what I got. I'm thinking, yeah. fucking asshole. Like, I was looking at that. Or we'll hear music. Like, 
I've got something that's going to blow your mind. And it's something that I already had on my mind. Right. You know. So you're t- very similar tastes, very similar things that you want to buy. Yes. Uh, yeah. I hope you never are trying to outbid each other. We've done it before. When we, he, <laughs> I think we Who's did it that, one Who time. is this fucker? I think it was a, a Gene Tierney autograph picture. Yeah. Something goofy like that. Yeah. And uh, he was like, God damn it. He goes, I, I lost this bid on something. I'm thinking, oh, I want it. He's like, you? I would have kept it low for you if right. it was you. So we, we kind of keep each other in the know. Like, are you going to bid on this? Right. You, you guys let each other know. Yeah. I love that. Um, has anyone ever gifted you a straight jacket? Or do you always get them yourself? I gotta think back. I have been gifted, yes, actually from a couple guys that that had too many. Yeah, and or I, we had a great like session. a hand me down, and they were like, you know what, this this belongs, this should go to you now. Yes, yeah, nice. I have it. It's, it's such a, an honor, I guess. Yeah, in the fetish community, it's such an honor. Yeah. How much are they? If I were going to go on and, and buy the one posy, right now, they discontinued the posy jacket in two thousand seventeen. I think two thousand eighteen was they they announced it in March. Yeah. And that's the one with the green collar, the one that the Joker wears that everybody wants. Right. Uh, they used to go for two forty three retail. Two, yeah, yeah. Which was, I mean, I mean, I would. There's I don't have kids. Yeah. I don't have any bills. It's like yeah. my money would go into my gear. Yeah. Uh, so right now, I think currently, I think I was looking at one. The opening was two hundred. It sold for like seven fifty eight. Wow. So they really. Do you like, have one like that? I have. Uh, I've got a lot of them like that. Yeah, you have that brand though. Oh like, yeah. In other words, you don't look at it every time going. No, oh, I when need I that. realized yeah. that they were they were, and it was like when it's funny when when Donna Summer was still alive and people were selling stuff on eBay, uh, her autographs were really inexpensive because she was alive and she would give anybody an autograph. Yeah. So I would buy these beautiful eight by ten pictures for like fifteen bucks, just start to collect them, just because they were so beautiful. Right. And uh, not that I, was, I thought I was going to invest, I was just trying to save them from somebody, you know, yeah, not getting a bid. You're trying on to it. give them a good home. So when these posy jackets were available, I would just buy them if it was around two forty three. You know, I'd save my money or or credit. You know, let me yeah. buy two of those. You know, yeah. So I, I yeah, I have a, a little bit of a collection. So and and also, but if you ever really need money, you've got that they're worth some. Yeah, it's, yeah, they've appreciated in value. Is my point? Oh, very much so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What article of clothing or accessory have you gotten the most comments on? Probably the straight jacket. And it's, yeah. I'm always amazed the positive comments that I get. Either people get a smile on their face or ask a question. Or I'll have people that will relate something going, you know, if they know it's a fetish, they'll share their fetish. I've had more straight couples come up during that Fifty Shades of Grey thing. Right. Talking about this. and It gives can, them permission. Yes. Yeah. Isn't it ironic that the word straight is in the title? I like that, yeah. You, you, it's sort you, of like, you know... Is it though? Yeah, like I like that. Yeah, it's like how perfect. Yeah, it totally makes sense like that. That's I always crazy. Think, when you when you're in a street jacket too, I always think you know, uh, everyone needs to experience it. You just you you. It's a good place to be at. You feel secure. You're safe when when you're with somebody that that's you know, uh, not dangerous. And are they tight? Or are they it depends on how tight the per, they're tied. They should be tight. Right. But uh, they can be made really really loose too. Yeah. But I prefer them really tight. Is there much video out there of people playing with them? There is. Is there a little niche of that? Yes, yes, there is. It feels like the internet has it for everybody. There is, and there's a lot more uh, straight porn yeah. that have it, which is fascinating too, just because uh, hot. I mean, I, I, yeah, more more women putting men in them, more or women, vice versa. More women, men more putting women, women, men putting women also in them, women with women. It's uh, yeah. There's some. There's getting. There's more. There's more gay stuff coming up because of it, but I think because it's so niche, um, it's not as prevalent. But in yeah. uh, more straight porn, it's pretty like regular. I was surprised. Like, wow, this I'm not so weird. You know what would be a good thriller? Somebody's in a straight jacket, like for fun or whatever, but then somebody breaks into their house and they have to 
fight off <laughs> something, but they're tied up. You know, they're limited, but they have to be really resourceful. They have to be a dancer. They have to be a dancer. They have to kick and 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 do all of that stuff. Um, how can people learn more about what you do? I'm at uh, my my email or my no, I'm sorry, or my your uh, website. You, you, yeah, your website and your um, Instagram and your Spotify, sure. all that stuff. The website goes directly to the Instagram. It's just phantomofhollywood.com. Okay. So like Phantom of Opera, but it's Phantom of Hollywood. Right. Why, why did you name it that? There was this really cool made-for-TV movie in 74 called The Phantom of Hollywood featuring Jack Cassidy. Okay. Uh, and he played like this kind of the Phantom of the Opera type character, this right. old silent movie star who haunts the old Sony lot when it was the MGM lot. Right. And all these mishaps happen because they're trying to change MGM and 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 destroy the backlots. He's trying to save it, so we just kind of so there's some fucked up merger happening, and he's trying to rally against it. It's sort of like the Phil Spector and Lana Clarkson. I think yeah. they had it coming, maybe, but right. maybe they didn't. So I, I always thought Phantom of Hollywood. He was sort of an antihero before the Joker. Right. There was the Phantom of Hollywood, but he so. was trying to preserve something. Yes. Like I, I feel like now everything's merging, and it's kind of like. We need some more Phantoms of Hollywood to keep everything from just becoming one giant company. Hollywood is one place that keeps reinventing itself. It does right. not preserve its past. And the things that make Hollywood Hollywood are the things that are no longer here. I always, my brother says, this, i got to come back to him. He always says, the things that I love about Hollywood are six feet under. They're literally in the cemetery. Right. Because there is no more Brown Derby. There's no more Ambassador Hotel. The Garden of Allah, of course, is gone. Uh, the the Garden Court Hotel they built that monstrosity that's now the Twenty Four Hour Fitness, but it was that, yeah. that theater. The things that made Hollywood Hollywood, they just they they destroyed, and it's that's right. what brings people to this place. And I think our past is really it's relevant. It's I I don't want to see the Kardashians. I I, I always lament when I'm walking down. Uh, I'll walk to my gym. Yeah, I walk down Hollywood because I'm so close on Hollywood Boulevard. But I'll see these people take pictures of of. In sync and and Britney Spears a star or or some reality star and I'm thinking right there is Blanche Sweet there's you know Rita Hayworth and yeah they're stepping over it you know I'm grateful when they they see David Bowie but they're only looking at that because they they you know see somebody talking about it but uh the glamour of what that was to me is what made me want to see Hollywood that made me want to come to it and right the Hollywood that I I see now coming up. I don't see, and I feel like I, it's such an old fogey. I feel like Joan Crawford saying, you know, we don't have any more stars. Right. But we don't. We don't have the glamour and the mystery. Everybody's so overexposed. Right. Uh, I miss the mystery. I miss the glamour. I like the accessibility. Right. And I don't want the studio system. I don't want, you know, Judy Garland people getting stuffed with drugs to make them skinny. Yeah. But I miss the allure and the, the glamour of what that is. I, I really find that attractive. I like the mystery. I don't want to know everything about somebody. I want to, to right. wonder. So I, I, I'm... I guess I like the Phantom of Hollywood because I like the allure of something kind of being ghosty and accessible, but sort of very Phantom-like, right. so not always accessible. Well, in this house, this apartment has certainly the place where the Phantom of Hollywood would live. I, I to me, it looks like a castle. I love yeah, it. Like the ivy on the and side. And then the ivy on the side. It's like you almost want you look up and you almost want a sound cue or a lightning strike or something. That's I hope cool. so. Oh, I wish we had lightning. I'd be yes, yeah. Yes. You would want that. Yes. Oh God, yeah. Please. All of it. All right. Um, well, this was super fun. Thank you for doing the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, what was your what's your dream uh, for this stuff? Where would you like it to go? Uh, I would like to be a cult figure and not have a cult like in the sense of like a church, right. but like I want to be like Don Davenport. I want to without the murders and like the yeah, with, sans murders, but just the the glamour and the 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 fun of it. I think I want right. people to to have fun and look at something different. I, I always think about Frida Kahlo talking about how she was. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess up the quote, but she was talking about she wants to relate to 
some little girl out there who's weird and strange and wondering if someone else is thinking about her and you know someone who's weird and strange and she said yeah just know that someone is and i i want to find an audience like that that sort of gets that weirdness that gets the straight jackets that gets the music um that gets the jan, the jan brady effect yeah, the Jam Brady, the, the Jam Brady of it all. But I, I did when I saw the images on Instagram, I, I just thought they were fun, and I responded to that part of them. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah, I just so. I think we everyone's taking themselves so seriously and so so egocentric, and not that I'm not being egocentric, I'm guilty of it too. But to have fun with it, like yeah. take off the filter and just please, you know, talk about George Tropagana being George Glass. Yeah, wear the glasses, you know, get the perm. <laughs> <laughs> do it all do, and don't even show up for the variety show that in, oh, in i love years. the variety show i, I know but the, jan, I, fake jan she's good though you were okay with fake jan her vibrato is a little disturbing <laughs> isn't it though have you heard it well yeah she could kind of she was like she they brought in her kind of a ringer she has like i mean a very strong i was surprised jerry yeah. i forget her last name jerry rochelle she, yes i love the and, and pull that out of my ass florence henderson doing those big numbers and, and oh yeah Lucky, how lucky can you get with the, the Muppet kind of things, the, the boas around her? That's what, that's, to me, that's heaven. That's what we all should do. What, we're going to die and go to a Sid and Marty Croft kind of With like paradise. the dancers in the back of the water. Florence yes. Henderson doing a big number. Right, polyesters, yes. I love it. I'm there. I'm in for that. Yeah, I was just saying how lucky can you get. And I remember her going, lucky! <laughs> and it was just amazing. Anyway, all right. We have a lot of overlap with our uh, pop culture obsessions. Um, check out uh, Paul's stuff online. It's all awesome. And good luck with everything you do. Thank you so much. Thank Yay. you, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thanks again to Paul Yabara. Check out his stuff on Instagram. He is Phantom of Hollywood and also on Spotify. Okay, so this happened. Um, at New Year's, I, I, I was at a New Year's party. And uh, a guy that I know there from Portland who was visiting friends said they were doing a road trip the next day. And I should come with them. So, because um, uh, he lives in Portland and my friend Stephen was driving back with him to Portland. So, long story short, I decided at the last second to go to Portland for the weekend. Um, I had a really great time. Uh, first of all, I love just sitting in the car for two days. I just needed a change of scene, right? Um, so, the ride was fun. Um, but I really had a great time in the city. And uh, it was a beautiful place to be. It was a little rainy and drizzly. The sun came out a bit. Um, I got to go to this queer yoga church on Sunday morning. And it was so friendly that I felt like it was a sketch on Portlandia. Like I showed up at the last possible second. And the uh, facilitator, the guy that teaches a class and organizes the whole thing, was super friendly. He's like, yeah, just find a place. And he goes, just virtually sign the thing. And, you know, like I, I he could have easily said, oh. You're at the last minute and there's no room on the floor. And then I had to ask some people to kind of move their mats a little for me to fit in. And everyone, everyone was like, oh, yeah, of course. Do you need a block? Can I get you a blanket? Like, it felt like a sketch how friendly everybody was. Um, and then afterwards, uh, a bunch of people went to coffee downstairs. Delicious. And I was talking to a lot of the queer yoga church guys. And one of them actually is a game lover. And I told him about the game You Don't Know My Life. And... Uh, he was heading to the big game store uh, after coffee, so I went with him there, and he gave me a ride back to my place. And on the way there, I was like, everyone in Portland is so nice. Uh, what's going on? <laughs> what's that about? And he, he said that um, if you're a dick, it sticks out. You stick out. So there's almost peer pressure to not be a dick. 
because the there's so much, the niceness is so pervasive. Um, I thought that was a really interesting um, observation. And maybe it's not like that everywhere, but I'm telling you in this class, it was almost comical how warm and welcoming everyone was. So um, if I just one day bag it all up and sell everything and buy a Airstream and somewhere near Portland and hopefully, you know, can afford that or something, uh, don't be surprised because um, it was a pretty nice place to be. Although I will say this, I, the friends that I was staying with uh, both had like, jobs in more stable fields than mine and they had a nice you know they were a couple and they had a nice place to live and I mean it was beautiful and stuff like that and I was like oh they figured it out they had the answer but I also sort of realized that I I don't know the things that I meant for the life that I'm in even when it's hard I think this is what I'm supposed to be doing this kind of stuff so that was a, a bit of a takeaway so anyway and we also watched the Golden Globes which was fun to do. Although I'm on team JLo, I want her to win. And, um, maybe she's not going to, but, um, that's okay. Life goes on. All right. That's it. That's enough. Enough ruminating. Um, happy 2020 and here we go. And we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye.